Welcome to Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self. I am Chris Burns, America's number one motivational speaker for fiery inspiration and GPS coach for entrepreneurs and high achievers. Each episode, we interview leaders and great role models who make a massive impact in the world to help you master yourself, take courageous action, and make every day your best day ever. Ladies and gentlemen, Dean Fox is about to come on and absolutely empower you to create your breakthrough, to release the mental handbrake, to really tap into your power, your flow, and your performance effectiveness. So stick around because this is going to be a powerful interview. Before that, I just want to say thank you for being here, for choosing to be and become your greatest possible self. We're going to have a lot of fun. So thank you for choosing to invest your time and your energy to grow yourself and uh, just be the best version of yourself that you can be. Thank you. Next, I'm going to share our iTunes review of the week. This week, it is by, I believe it's by Jenny Bell. Jenny Bell says, so much value. Chris obviously pours his heart and soul into the podcast marathon. He brings out the best in his guests, sharing their gifts with the world. Thank you so much, Jenny. I appreciate you and that review. If you want a chance to get shouted out on a future 12-hour live stream, go to beergps.com forward slash iTunes or search greatest possible self on the Apple Podcast Store. Let us know what you love, what you want to see more of, and how we can improve the show for you. Thank you so much in advance. I'm going to introduce Dean in just a second. Before that, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen, be ready to take notes. I know there's going to be some fire in this interview and definitely stick around all the way through to the end because one idea has the power to change everything for you. Let's introduce Dean. Dean Fox is a leading mindset coach, trainer, consultant, entrepreneur, and speaker, and he's based in the northeast of England, United Kingdom. Dean has trained and coached thousands of entrepreneurs across the country with his powerful message. He's pioneered better education for those desiring more in life. Turning the personal development world on its head, Dean wanted to stand out by helping them overcome their doubts, eliminate their fears, and take actions necessary to build a life and business that they want without resistance guaranteed. Dean passionately believes that whatever you want is available to you and through his experience in coaching, he can help you get it. Dean has a number of programs and works with individuals, groups, employers, and professionals and has helped company executives, entrepreneurs, authors, professional athletes, salespeople, coaches, speakers, consultants, and experts from all across the world to achieve more than they thought possible in less time and with zero resistance and dean are you ready to rock the house my man i am indeed thanks for having me chris absolutely man you're live on becoming your greatest possible self thank you for being here i know we we had such a great pre-interview call i'm so stoked to dive in today the theme today dean is uh create your breakthrough what does that mean for you dean um it, it, like i said you know exactly as the title says really you know when we had our call before we talked about this idea of um, you know, a lot of people find themselves either stuck or in a place they don't really want to be and not yep. sure how to get out. Yep. Um, and that's kind of, that's exactly where I found myself a number of years ago. Um, but getting to that point where you're able to, as I call it, you know, release that mental handbrake when you can actually, you know, actually feel yourself taking actions uh, that are going to get you to where you want to be without that resistance. That's when you feel like you're having a breakthrough. 
I love it. Dude, I love that the theme today is so in alignment with you and your message, Dean. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a profound conversation for anyone who's here. So I mentioned in your intro the the great work that you're doing, man. So we we got to know you, your coaching. Let's go back into your journey a little bit and, and talk about, you know, what what was your journey through releasing your mental handbrake like and becoming a coach, man. Tell us about that, Dean. Okay, so I started my, my, my life as, a, as an engineer. Um, I worked in the engineering industry and in the steel industry in the UK. Uh, I, and I was always after more. I always kept progressing. I was always looking for the next thing. And um, I'd worked my way up to you know, senior engineering and engineering management. And then I took a sidestep into the commercial world, into sales and business development, staying in the same industries to start with. But I suddenly realized, I think, over a period of time that I always felt there was more to life than kind of the nine to five grind. Yep. Um, I just wasn't sure what it was. Mm. Uh, and I had my first real kind of light bulb moment, if you like, in the early 2000s when I, I read a book called um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by yeah. Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. Um, and that kind of just stoked the fire a bit about entrepreneurship and, and this idea that, you know, you're not going to get what you want out of life if you're working for somebody else all the time and there's different quadrants of people. And so that pushed me to look elsewhere. And I started to think about maybe um, branching out and doing something for myself. But in, in the early 2000s, that's, that's what we did. I, um, I, I left the corporate world um, and I set up a business with my wife in, in, the, uh, in the real estate investment development. Um, and, and during that period, the next four, five, six years, um, you know, things went really well. Um, it was a great time to be in the, in the, uh, the real estate industry yep. um, in, in that period of time. And um, I, I also I, I read another book a couple of times during that period um, that kind of inspired me again to, to take some more steps. But I think what really, really um, brought me into the personal development world and the coaching world was that, um, first of all, a few things happened. So in 2008, we had, you know, the, probably the worst financial crisis that, that most of us ever experienced. I certainly ever experienced. Uh, and that was literally from from a, you know, from the real estate industry it was almost like someone switched off a tap. Yep. Our business, you know, virtually wasn't there the next morning when we opened the doors at 9 a.m. Um, so that was <clears throat> that was a real blow. That was a that was a bit of a um, a shock. Um, it was one of those things that um, I don't think it was so much that we weren't expecting it um, uh, uh, more about. We weren't expecting the impact that it would have. Yeah. Um, it, you know, a bit like, you know, where we are currently yeah. um, with what's going on, you know, we had to adapt almost overnight. Yeah. Um, everything we thought would work before didn't work any longer. Mm. Um, and, and a whole series of new systems. And um, that was a first kind of real um, obstacle, worst roadblock. Yeah, I want to I want to um, dive into that, Dean, because I think it's especially for people who are having challenges adapting to stuff that's going on right now. I, I keep saying there's always uncertainty in life, right? There's always going to be things that don't go as planned. And right now, it's just happening to, you know, exponentially more people at the same time. So it's like more, it's more visceral, it's more impactful. I think we're, we're feeling it more. Um, what, what lessons did you learn back then um, that you're applying now? And could be around mindset, could be around, you know, tactics, strategies in business. What did you learn, Dean? The biggest thing for me was to, to recognize that every situation is either an obstacle or an opportunity. Mm. and the person who decides that is you. 
Um, you know, we look. I look back at 2008. We lost our business in 2008, and yet there were businesses that were created in that time that are now yep. billion-dollar brands. Yep. Um, and and the only difference between those that succeeded from that point on and and the, you know people like myself who struggled in that period was the way that they approached that that period of time. And so the biggest lesson I'm learning now is that in the current climate. I'm looking at this as one of the biggest opportunities there could be. Um, you just need to find a, you know, a way through it. Uh, how can we take advantage of what's there? Um, and I often talk about three words, um, is that um, often we ask ourselves, can I? Those are the two words that we mm. ask ourselves. Can I do this? Can I find a way? And that starts from the assumption that it's not possible. We start from a negative point of view. Yeah. We only have to add a third word to that. and We yes. change our whole perspective, which is how can I? And as soon as we start from that perspective, the assumption is, I know I can. I'm just not sure how yet. Mm. Uh, and that's been the biggest difference between when we went through this in 2008 and what we're going through now yeah. is that now we're just looking at, okay, we know that's possible. Just how how can we do it? Mm. Yeah, this is this is great, man. I, I hear the big distinction was instead of coming from a place of the cards are stacked against me, can I, can I even do this? Like, do, am I enough? It, it almost goes into our worthiness, our own identity, and it, and it moves into how can I? No, no, the, the answer's out there. The solution's out there. I just get to be resourceful enough, flexible enough, adaptable enough, resilient enough to go and find it, to, to, to keep working until I find it. Because there's people out there who are finding the solutions and they're they're prospering and they're you know taking advantage of the situation in a good way and serving people and growing themselves growing their companies what do they know how do they see the world in a way that has them prosper and thrive during these times when every, most people are struggling and allowing it to, to defeat them and take them out of the game yeah for sure absolutely um and and I see that all the time and and, and when I'm coaching people that's what we're talking about we're looking to help them see, okay, it's not about, you know, I'm really struggling at this point in time. And I often say that, you know, if we start from that perspective, then that's what we're going to see in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, if we start from a point of view of lack, then we're going to experience more lack. Yeah. Um, we, we've got to see the positive. We've got to start looking for opportunities in, in order to find them. Yeah. Yeah, this is so good. So good. I think um, having an online business today as well, something that is is location independent and, um, you know, like virtual is like such a for all the all the coaches, for example, for you, like it's it's such an advantageous position to be in because you have like this skill set that you can you can, um, you know, execute on. You can you can be a tactician and go serve and impact people's lives and help them release that mental handbrake from all around the world. And I think it's such a beautiful time for online businesses to be thriving and, and moving forward yeah absolutely and, I, and I, I totally agree i also think that what happens is that um even you know most of my most of my previous coaching and uh involvement will have been and my speaking will have been face to face yeah you know yeah. events up and down the country or, or internationally there's no real difference other than we're just switching from that to a virtual world so i've done more speaking probably over the last six or eight weeks than i probably did in the previous six months yeah um, but I've just, you know, it's because I'm being able to reach out through mediums like, like yourself and other people. Um, whereas some of the you know, people I speak to in, in our industry are saying, oh, I'm really struggling to get in front of uh, clients or I have to cancel events. Or, and it's like, well, you don't have to cancel them. You just can't do them face to face. Yep. Yep. And, and I think it's as that service provider, we also get to empower our clients, our um, partners, our, our vendors, and things like that to come up with solutions for them so that they can 
continue moving forward in their business as well. Like for example, if there's a live event that was supposed to happen and someone's like, oh, well, we're, we're done. You know, the organizer's like, we're done with this event. We can't do it because it can't be live. It's like, okay, well, can you do it online? Can you can you create a virtual space where people who bought the tickets, you know, may not, may, may want some other offers or other value that we can add, but, you know, to give them something instead of nothing. And I think that's that's something that a lot of people might be resistant to because when the crisis hits, they just retract and they say, oh, shoot, I'm scared. And instead of being adaptable and resourceful and releasing the mental handbrake, they they like stop, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, and, you know, I, I resonate a lot with that because that period in 2008 when, when, when we lost the business through to, you know, the next couple of years, I, I was in that mode. Mm. I was just, you know, I was retracting all the time. Everything was a backward step. Mm. Um, uh, and that was both from a you know a financial perspective in terms of business, but also from a uh, from a personal perspective. Um, uh, and and I talk about this a lot that we end up if we're not careful in this downward spiral mm. because our focus shifts, yeah. and all we see is the problems and the obstacles that are in front of us, mm. uh, and it gets darker and darker because we can't see a way forward. But it's because we're not really looking for one; mm. we're just looking at where the next obstacle is coming from. Um, and, and and that's what happened, you know, 2008 to 2010, it pushed us in all of those directions, um, both from a business and a, and a personal perspective. And then in 2010, um, I, you know, we'd come to uh, probably a decision from a financial perspective where we had nowhere else to go, really. I, I was cornered and I made a decision that um, in order to try and preserve some, uh, well, preserve our home. Yeah. was my my ultimate commitment to the family was uh, we wouldn't lose our home yes and i took some advice and the only way around that at the time was was uh for me to become bankrupt um and, and kind of lose everything else that we had and so i made that decision yeah. that that's what i was going to do um and i said right out of that the the only way i see forward for now in the short term to to to, to uh, button down the hatches and kind of um steady the ship yeah was for me to go back into the corporate world of employment and um and, and get a stable job if you like for a, for a period of time mm-hmm. unfortunately what happened was in in march of that year in march 2010 my wife and i and my youngest son were involved in a road traffic accident mm-hmm. um and that was um it was fairly serious it took two hours to cut us from the vehicle um we probably spent about eight to ten months recovering from that both physically wow. and um and probably psychologically as well and what that did was um, it stopped me being able to do, uh, take that step of saying, well, I'm just going to go back into employment mm. and I physically couldn't do it. Right. Um, and that added more pressure to the situation. Yeah. It's like and, there's the, the harmony or I, the harmony of things that were bad were going wrong, so to speak, the, the pain, right? Like it's just, okay, so there's the financial crisis and now there's like a physical injury that you have to deal with as well. It's like those two combined on top of each other, like could be soul crushing, you know? So like what you were, you were talking about with um, like trying to move forward, but like taking steps back and having to like, like it's almost like we retract because it's all that we can really grasp all that we can really hold on to. It's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to stay safe. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to recover. And so it's almost like going within in fear might even be a required step to be able to go forward. If, if we have not trained ourselves in, in that mindset, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, we talk about things happening for a reason often now, uh, but you know, I look back 
at the time I couldn't see that. But but now looking back, yeah. I absolutely, you know, there is no way I would be doing what I'm doing if I hadn't gone through all of those things. Yeah. Uh, and like you say, you know, we retract inside and I did that for about ten months of two thousand and ten, um, right up till um early December. Um and and you know, I think the other thing is, particularly for uh, for men sometimes is mm-hmm. that because we feel we're the breadwinner or we're supposed to be the head of the family and yeah. um it, we 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 add even more labels and pressure to ourselves, um, which which causes us um, extra stress and anxiety. And I got to a point by December that year that um, you know I I didn't really have uh, psychologically I had nowhere else to go. I, I was going down a path that was getting darker and darker. And I, I you know I talk about this often. I, I I went out for a walk one morning. I'd got up on the morning and I'd said to my wife Christine that I was. I was going out for a walk. Uh, I needed some fresh air. I needed to clear my head. In in reality, I kind of I, I didn't intend to come home that day. Um, I left and went to the wooded area not far from where we live. Um, I, I was planning, plotting to 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 end my life that day. That I wasn't going to come home. That they would be better off without me. Um, but what happened that day? You know, it, people talk about being a flash of inspiration or or something like that. It didn't really happen like that for me. But one thing that did stick with me is that um, when I made a final decision that that's what I was going to do, I was sitting in a clearing in the woodlands and I just, from the point I made the decision, I just felt a real calmness, a real peace that I hadn't experienced before. Mm. I didn't feel any of the stress. I didn't feel any of the pressure. And at the time, I wasn't sure why that was um it just led me to asking give me enough of a breathing space or a bit of clarity to ask some questions i started to ask myself okay so i could have died in a car accident eight nine months ago and i didn't i've gone through virtually three years of of struggle both financially and personally and, and my family have there has to be a reason why i'm doing that there has to be a reason why I'm in this position. And if it was to end now, if that was the reason for doing it, it was to end my life now, why didn't I die in a car accident nine months ago? And that was enough for me to be able to take a breath and say, okay, well, there's more, there's got to be more to life than this. I need, I need to understand more about me, but also about why I'm here because I, I must have another purpose. Otherwise there would be no point. Um, and that was enough for me to get to go back home. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I now look back at that with more clarity about you know, what happened and why I was I felt like that uh, than I ever did then, um, because of the journey that I've been on. Yeah. Um, I, I hear that that willingness to like to end it all gave you clarity to say, okay, well, if I'm going to end it all what let's let's make sure i'm going out with like the best perspective almost it's like i'm I'm willing to let go of trying to make everything work so like if i like really go for this and you step up to that edge to that precipice you see your life flash before your eyes you see what's important flash before your life your eyes and you're like wait a second if it's important for me to um you know live and and keep moving forward through these tragedies through these you know car accidents and things like that like, why didn't I die then? Because there, there's a reason why I survived. There's a re- reason why I kept moving forward through that. And so it's like you you got that perspective and that, that brought you back, man. That's that's huge. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, 
I'd like to say, uh, you know, that, that I, I kind of went back and everything, my whole life changed from there on in, but um, <laughs> it doesn't really work like that. Um, but, you know, the next real big kind of light bulb moment for me was that that same day I, I'd gone home and I, uh, I was kind of looking for a bit of inspiration, I think, looking for something to uh, to hang on to, um, a bit of hope. And I, I went into the office. We had a, a home office where we'd worked from, and I went to the bookshelf. I was just looking for something to read, I think. And I took a book from the shelf that I'd read several times before, as I said. Um, but the copy I took off was one that my son bought me at our last kind of family holiday before the financial crisis. Um, he bought me it at the airport, and it was a book called Think and Grow Rich. Yes. And I, um, I read it, but I, 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 I say now that I saw things in the book that I'd never seen before. Mm. Uh, and that day, I read it all night. I never slept. Mm. I just kept rereading the book. Um, and there were so many things in there that just kept coming back to, well, th- there's a reason for everything and you were here. Mm. So you need to find out what the reason is and you need to understand it's down to you to do something about this. Um, but I also kept having these feelings of um, that everything had happened perhaps because I didn't feel like I was good enough. You talked about worthiness. And, um, and that's something that I started to to try and understand. Yeah. And I think my next big, huge breakthrough was understanding that, understanding, you know, what my limiting beliefs were about who I was, who I thought I was, uh, and being able to break them was the, the next step in releasing that handbrake even further and being able to say, okay, now I can go and do this. Mm. Um, and that led me to setting up a consultancy firm. I, I did some consultancy business for three or four years, which was successful. But my next big um jump in terms of understanding my purpose if you like was that all the stuff i was learning from, from personal development i become a bit of a, a personal development junkie at that yeah, time yeah. i was a, i was at the event i was reading every book i was listening to every audio i could uh, watching youtube videos here there and everywhere um but what i realized was that wherever i was even though i was consulting from a you know not from a personal development or a coaching point of view from a business point of view mm-hmm. I, the things I was sharing and the things I enjoyed sharing most were all the stuff I was learning from personal development. Mm. And I, I'd started sharing them also with my, my family and, and some, you know, people who were close to me. And I started slowly but surely to see impacts in their lives, mm. changes that they weren't making. And what I talk about being this ripple effect uh, around that. Um, and then I had a few people who approached me and said, you know, we've seen where you were and what you've gone through. Would you come and share your story with a few people who we think might benefit? And I, I said, yeah, sure. I, if I can help someone, I will. I did that. And then I, that snowballed and I had a few people, more people asking. And then I had some people saying, you know, do you think you could share some, some of the things that you went through with me personally? And, and then I did. And I had them come back and say, oh, that was fantastic. I've really benefited from that. And suddenly it, it kind of, I just, almost came through me that was like well you should be doing this all the time <laughs> this is this is why you went through all five was to be able to share that message with people who are potentially still in that place mm. uh, or get to go through it so they don't have to feel like they do or you did when you were going through it yeah i i love hearing the way your business coaching business came together because you had success in real estate you were doing consulting and then I think a lot of people, in, in my opinion, even even myself, 
we want to invent a vehicle that goes and serves people and helps them and, and changes the world. You know, like even um, coaching for me, it, it's, it's always felt like, yes, I, I love coaching. I love serving people. And the, the ability for people to come to you, to gravitate to you naturally, and you're just like solving problems for them. They're, you're being there for them. You're, you're alleviating pain. It's just happening. You know, and, and especially before even the, the money is exchanged, so to speak, you're just doing it because you have value to add. You love to solve the problem. People are naturally hungry for the solution. I think that's like the best way for us, uh, a business to be created. It's not always that natural. It's not always that easy. But like when when it does happen like that, I think it's so special, man. And, and just your own journey and how you've gone through it, like I can really hear the alignment of you living your purpose and like people being hungry for this wisdom, being hungry to release a mental handbrake, handbrake, being hungry for this, this transformation, man, like people are hungry for it. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I agree entirely. And I don't decry anyone who, um, who's, who's you know, gone and got, um, uh, an education in coaching or gone through some form of certification or anything like that. Um, I haven't, um, you know, I've studied with lots of mentors up and down all over the world, essentially, um, since I started in personal development, but I've got no formal certification i don't have a degree in anything uh, other than engineering but i i coach from the perspective of um i you know this is not something i read in a book this is it may have been something i read in a book but i, I know how to apply it because i've been doing it for the last 10 years uh just in my own life and in my family's life and, uh, and since then it's it's evolved into helping other people um and and that for me is, is where my value is i think in terms of um not just being able to to help people, but to empathize and say, yeah, I, I know where you're coming from yeah. because that's exactly what I went through. Yeah. I know exactly how that happens. I know what, I know what created it. I know I was coaching a client recently, and we were talking about a particular belief, uh, and it was it was good if you if you like to be able to sit there and say, yeah, okay, so I can tell you not the exact incident that occurred in your life that brought it to you, but I can tell you where it, it where it occurred for me. Because mm. that's that's a belief that I held, right. um, and to have them be able to say, right, okay, so well, you know, how did you deal with that, yep. uh, and, and how can that how can that translate into my mm. uh, life and business? Um, it adds real real strength to what I'm doing and weight to to what I'm doing, and I'm I'm hugely passionate about um, being able to share that with people. I really want people to understand that who they think they are um, is not who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all lots lots of people come to me with this idea that you know maybe I'm not quite good enough, or maybe I'm not worthy, or and that's not true. Mm-hmm. And the more people I, I I impact believe that that's not possible is, uh, you know, serves my purpose. Yeah. And and these beliefs of unworthiness, uh, you could call it limiting beliefs, things that are people are carrying. Like, what do what do you think our audience needs to know about these beliefs that are currently living in their head and programming that they've picked up over the years? What what do you want them to know, Dean? I think the biggest things for me are is I have a I have a very clear logical um, four or five step process that I use when I'm working with someone. But the basics are that um, all of those beliefs that we have. Uh, are generated usually between the ages of zero for so birth and about age five, six, or seven, depending on the science that you read. But in our in in our formative years, yep, and they come from essentially innocuous situations. They don't have to be traumatic experiences to develop specific beliefs, mm. but they happen um, because because 
uh, in our childhood, things happen repetitively hundreds of times a day without a conscious decision, then it's fairly easy to form a belief. Um, and I talk, I give examples. You know, I, I, I coached somebody recently. One of the beliefs they had um, was that um, uh, people aren't interested in what I have to say. And it's a belief I come across often wow. in a sales environment. Now, when you were five, six, or seven years old, having a belief that people aren't that interested in what you have to say, it doesn't really affect you. Right. But when you're 30 years old or 40 years old or 50 years old and you're the CEO or you're an entrepreneur or you're the head of a sales team or you're a salesperson, that's, you know, huge ramifications. Yep. And, you know, you think back to, to, to you know, looking at it logically, if you're a young child at three or five years old mm-hmm. um, and you experience something, whether that's something new to you, whether it's something you did, you've drawn a picture, whatever it is, it's the most amazing thing for you as a three or a four-year-old child that you've ever done. If you take that to an adult, um, your parents or grandparents or someone who you feel is um, uh, what, what I would call a caretaker position, someone responsible, if you take it to them and show them it, and, and usually they take it with huge enthusiasm, you know, look at what I've just done, dad, dad, look at this. Yep. The instant reaction usually for adults is, yeah, yeah, not now. Mm. You know, I'm busy doing something, so I'm, I'm preparing the tea or the dinner or I'm on the phone if you're working from home. now. Children immediately, that's not, you know, you don't immediately form a belief then. Mm-hmm. But how many times does a child ask for your attention during a fair day? You know, hundreds of times. And so over, over a few of those times where you are told, um, not now or later or, you know, dad's on the phone or whatever it is, it's, it's, not, it's not inconceivable for the child to think, well, you know what? He's not really interested in what I've got to say. Mm-hmm. And so, understanding where they come from was one of my biggest breakthroughs. This idea that I was looking when I first got into this, I started to look for the huge traumatic events that may have yep. caused me to believe. Yep. It doesn't work like that. No. And so understanding that that is the first thing. Mm. The second thing is um, uh, looking at, for comparable experiences. So that's a good example. You know, I was working with a client recently who had that belief and we said, okay, can you imagine, even if you can't remember a specific time, can you imagine times when you may have done that? You've asked for someone's attention and not got it. Mm. Yeah, I could remember hundreds of times. Okay. And then we look at, right, okay, so think about that particular belief and those particular events. Is that particular belief that you developed at that time, is that the only truth or is that just one interpretation of those events? Mm. What other reason could your father or mother have had for not wanting to listen to you at that time, as an example? And they will come up themselves with six or seven different interpretations. Well, my father was busy, he was at work. Okay, um, what else? Maybe he wasn't interested in that particular point in time. But that doesn't mean he'll never be interested. And you look at, you know, we look at those different perspectives. And then once people understand there's a different perspective than the one they chose, mm. and we break the emotional connection with the previous one they had, then the belief no longer exists. Because it only ever existed in their mind anyway. Mm-hmm. It was never the truth. It was never really there. You can't see it in those events. And when people understand that those events don't ha- really have an inherent meaning unless we give them one, right. then the whole world changes. Because then you can start to pick those apart. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I describe it a little bit like, well, two ways, either either peeling the layers of an onion. Mm-hmm. So we, we, you know, we peel them back and we expose the true, the real self, or we're releasing the handbrake. We take it down and notch it at a time until it's flat to the floor. 
Because the other thing is that I really discovered was that, you know, I, I attended lots of events from a personal development perspective. I read lots of books. I watched loads of motivation videos and talks. And I was hugely empowered and inspired mm. for several weeks. And then I would go back to the way that I operated before. Mm. And I could never understand why it didn't last for longer than that. Yep. Um, and the truth is, it's because we, we, if we don't, it doesn't matter how big the engine is we put in the car. Mm-hmm. If we keep the handbrake on, it's never going to go as fast as it should be able to. Nope. And that was what was happening. I was being hugely empowered and inspired. I was putting a bigger engine in the car. I was getting more and more motivated, more fired up. But I never got rid of the handbrake. Mm-hmm. And so the people that I work with, that's what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, great. Do all of those things. You know, meditate, um, you know, visualization. All of those things are hugely important. They all work. But if you don't release the handbrake in the first place, you're never going to run at 100% capacity. You're only ever going to do 40 or 50 or 60% max. Yeah. And Dean, I want to ask, because I think uh, even our audience, a lot of people have done, let's say, limiting belief works and, and work, and they, they like take an inventory, they scratch it out and put the affirmation next to it, things like that. Like There's a lot of, a lot of different techniques that are going around. Um, what would you say it is that makes the, the process that you take your clients through um, different? And, and you know, like, why does it work where it gets to that core, core, the deepest root, so we don't have to keep trying to uproot the same thing for, you know, the next couple of decades? Yeah, and it's a great question because that's exactly what I've done before. I always felt that um, whatever process I tried, whatever technique I tried, it was always, it felt like a coping strategy or um, a way to overwrite something yeah. um, or put it in a box out the way and we'll, we'll, we'll start believing this. And, I, you know, I don't ever decry that those things don't work right. um, because, you know, they do. You know, I, I said I was I was delivering some coaching to a, a, a sales organization a while back. And one of the things we talked about was that if you bring in a group of salespeople and you ask them to make 100 to 150 cold calls a day in your environment, um, you'll have a group of people um, who um, you bring in who've never done it before, who will massively struggle to do that. And you would probably be able to get them to do it. You would break their fear of rejection and their fear of failure. Um, if if they were able to do 100 to 150 calls a day for say six months, because mm-hmm. eventually it wouldn't wouldn't make any difference. The problem is most people can't go that long. Right. They'll not be able to keep it up, and that that's the same for me with affirmations. Is that most people give up. They just they're not they, they're not they're not equipped to be able to do it for long. Enough. And so the difference is that, from the process that I use is that um, I just want them to see for themselves in a real logical way mm-hmm. that, that they chose that belief. Yeah. And they could have chosen any other interpretation at that particular time. And if they did, and we get them to experience it, if you choose another belief at that time in the same event, uh, when you were five or year old or however old you were, mm-hmm. what's the, what, how do you feel emotionally now? And they will tell you, that I don't feel it the same way. Okay, so the only reason that you have this limiting belief and this emotional connection to it is because you chose it at that particular point in time. And had you chosen another one, you wouldn't feel the same. You would believe something entirely different. And I think the other thing is, I, you know, I worked with a client recently, and one of the things they said was, we went through the process, and um, you know, it takes a bit of time. I have a ninety-minute breakthrough call that I work with people, and I guarantee that we in that ninety minutes we'll find the number one limiting belief they have, and we'll eliminate it permanently forever. Damn, uh, that's my guarantee. 
And that, in that 90 minutes, we might spend 45 or 50 or 60 minutes even trying to find out exactly what the belief is. Mm. Because it's, it's, it's a, there's a nuance for lots of people. It's finding exactly what it is for them. We might take an hour to do that. We might only need 15, 20 minutes to actually eliminate the belief. Right. Um, because the process is really quick and simple. And I had a client I worked with, and when we finished, he, he was blown away. But his response was, I'm just not sure... You know, I've tried other things and I've never come across something that works as quick as this. So I, I, I feel amazing, but I'm just not sure that it can work as fast as that. And I said, okay, so what you're, expect- what you're experiencing is that this idea that, you know, you've tried it before and change, it should be difficult and should mm. take a long time. Mm. And he was like, well, yeah. And I said, well, that's just a belief itself. We, we need to break that one. Because yep. <laughs> <laughs> it can change like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and once people experience it um, and they get that emotional disassociation and that empowerment, mm-hmm. then they can go on and do whatever it is they want. That's when we get real. I talk about, you know, people talk about transformations. I talk about quantum leaps. I want people to not just go, you know, step changes. I want people to go from here to there yeah. um, in the shortest possible time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other thing is that one of the things about the way I like to coach is that, um, you know, yes, I've got some clients I've worked with for a, a number of years. Um, but that's not because the process takes years. It's because mm. they, they, they want continuous support around right. as they grow and develop, they want something else. You know, I, I don't ever want, really want to be working with a client mm. for, for 12 months or 24 months or longer. You know, I, want, I, want, I want clients to come to me. You know, if, if every client I came to did my 90-minute breakthrough call and said, that's it. I don't need any more than just that number one belief. I'm gone and, and we're, I'd be like the happiest man in the world. It'd be amazing. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's really prioritizing the results that you get clients, right? Like I think uh, there, there's businesses out there that's like, well, I just, I want to, and it's good to want to build a relationship for life. And I think when you really prioritize what is, is the absolute most I can give, I can provide with my service, with, with me, me being present in this life, with my gifts, with the knowledge and the wisdom that I've experienced, it's to create a massive transformation, a quantum leap, a breakthrough to where this person doesn't even recognize themselves anymore after you know just one session or, or working together. And it's like to be able to create that level of transformation – we could do it in a year. We could do it in two years, five years, you know, and say, you know, let's, let's do it for five years. Why not? But if we can do it in one session, like, why not? Why would we not do that and, and create that level of, of deep transformation, man? That's, it's genius, Dean. I love it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's, that's for me, that, that's what, that's what coaching is about. That's what I'm passionate about. I, I want people to, you know, I, I, I message my clients after sessions. I did one the other day uh, and I messaged um, just to say, you know, How's things gone in the last 48 hours? To get messages back when people say, you know, I feel completely different. This is awesome. Yeah. You know, that's like, well, that, that's worth everything. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's transforming people's lives, man. I, I think it's one of the most fulfilling things that we can do as coaches, as service providers, is like really be there and give them a new reality to step into, man. Um, so I think this is, this is great. If people are procrastinating, is that the same thing as a, a mental handbrake? Yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, the other thing that I've that I've I've, I've learned really is that there are kind of um, so people talk about limiting beliefs, but in general, most people, uh, if they were coming to you, wouldn't would would not necessarily be able to come and say, "I have this limiting belief, and it's this." Right. Most people come with a with a behavior pattern. 
So they come and say, you know, uh, uh, what I've what I've found is I'm really struggling with um, uh, public speaking, with being up on stage in front of people. So they talk about patterns of behavior. So procrastination is just a pattern of behavior. Mm. And for every pattern of behavior, there are um, a number of limiting beliefs that support that pattern of behavior. Mm. So I, I often describe it as, I did a short video the other day, with, you know, I don't know what it's called in the States, but in the UK, there's a, there's a, a wooden block game called Jenga. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a wooden tower and you, yep. you have to push the blocks out. So basically, I did, I did an example of it the other day because the behavior patterns like that, like mm-hmm. the tower, and every limiting belief is one of the blocks that supports it. Mm. And people, and this is where I say that people go to events or they read books, um, or they've gone through previous um, examples of, uh, uh, you know, trying to break a limiting belief before, or yeah. developed a coping strategy. And so in that game, you can push some of the blocks out, and the tower doesn't fall down. Yeah. Um, it still stays standing. And that's the same as the behavior pattern. So if you've got a behavior pattern of procrastination and you do some work around it, you might be able to push some of the blocks out, but the pattern won't fall down. Yeah. It still stands. And until you find what the core beliefs are, you know, there's maybe in that Jenga tower, there might be six or seven blocks that if you push them, mm-hmm. it all collapses. And that's what we're looking to do. So when someone came with procrastination, we'd be looking at, okay, in that, in that uh, pattern of behavior, what beliefs um, you know, there might be 17 or 18 limiting beliefs that support that pattern. Right. You might not have them all. You might only have five or six of them, but which five or six are they? And we work through and identify which are the ones and what's the nuance of the belief that affects you. Mm. Then when we push those blocks out, that pattern of behavior just collapses. Mm. And that gives people the freedom to go and take the action that they want when we act, when we collapse the pattern. Um, so things like procrastination, um, you know, lack of confidence, mm-hmm. um, fear of public speaking. Um, those types of things are just patterns of behavior. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is address the underlying belief system that supports it. And once we can do that, then the patterns are relevant. It doesn't make any difference anymore. Uh, and it, it no longer affects us. Yeah. I, I hear that there's um, there can be a just a core set. As far as limiting beliefs go there's like a core set like six seven maybe even a, a total number of like 15 to 20 so, sound like that um it's just you might have a different flavor you might have a different way of, of wording it each person has a different way of interpreting that but is it would you say that you've you've kind of cataloged well these at some level it's this around these beliefs it's it's like some some version of this is is it pretty standard at this point have you kind of seen all the different limiting beliefs that can be there yeah, kind of. I mean, we, you know, if somebody came to me and said, um, you know, like for example, um, you know, I really want to 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 significantly improve my confidence. I'm really low on confidence, and I really need to to, to have this high performing confidence. Um, you know, there are there are, I could probably tell you, the top twenty beliefs that sit in support that um, that that behavior pattern. Um, and there'll be some core ones which are which are the same for almost everybody. But then you've got to find the ones that are slightly different. There's a nuance uh, around what it is. Um, and they can be – the other thing is that what happens is we, we may take away a particular belief. So we may eliminate a belief. Um, uh, and, and what that does is a bit like peeling the onion, if you like. It, it peels away something that exposes something else. Yeah. What, what happens then is somebody says, okay, so, for example, I'm not good enough. It's probably the number one limiting belief that you know most people come. When they come, that's sitting probably six or seven 
of the major behavior patterns. Um, and eliminating that can have all sorts of impacts on people. But often what happens is you eliminate a key one like that, and what happens is there's an underlying belief. There's something else, which isn't the fact that you're not good, don't believe you're good enough. It's just, there's a nuance to it. It's, it's um, uh, for example, I'm trying to think of one that we did recently that was a little bit um, kind of different, a little bit off topic. It was um, one of my clients, when we when we peeled back some of the layers, he realized that there was a belief that existed that um, he needed some validation. He needed some approval. Mm. Um, and we started to put a form of words together about what that belief meant to him. And once we discovered the form of words, and it's really easy because you can, you can, you can visually see people change. You know, when, when you get the form of words right for the belief, you'll see them tense up. They can feel wow. this. Yeah, that, that resonates with me. That's definitely what, what, what it is. Mm. And then we can say, okay, now let's address that then. Um, but the time we take normally is around identifying the process for eliminating them. You know, it's, it's minute. That's so powerful. And it's, it's interesting that I feel uh, the correlation, people want to know who they are, right? Who am I? What's my purpose? What am I here to do? And I think that that is, is the thing that like takes people the longest to, to remember that, to get back in touch with that. But then once, once they are, then it's about consciously, you know, choosing it. But that's, it's, it's simple to say, no, I, I already found my purpose. My purpose is to be me. My purpose is to, you know, be the best version of me that I can be to show up and do the most that I can today. Um, and it's like a simple choice. Uh, so I, I love the correlation between the identifying the limiting belief can take like the most time typically is to find the nuances, the the patterns, how it shows up and start to build build around it. But then changing that belief, it's just a simple decision. It's a choice, you know, to, to make that mean something else. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that's the, the, you know, what I've found over the times that, you know, I've coached people and I've been coached when I was looking um, to develop myself was that the number of times that I'd experienced something and thought, okay, but surely it can't be this complicated. You know, I've read some processes and systems or I've experienced them and it's like you need to be a, you know, a psychologist with, you know, four or five degrees and 10 years worth of studying to understand some of the information. And it's like, it cannot be that complicated. Um, I prefer, I think it comes from my engineering background, but I prefer things to be really simple and logical yes. and I, I need to be able to see the beginning and the end, and I say, okay, that that makes sense. And if it makes sense, it you know a change happens really quickly. Um, and I, you know, something else. I think the biggest uh, additional light bulb moment I had was probably about two, just over two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I started to um, uh, having worked in the field of um, limiting beliefs, particularly, uh, and helping people eliminate that. Um, after the process, usually the first or second time we've done this uh, with a client, um, I'll take them through another short process which helps them just to see um, their themselves and their, their lives from a different perspective. So we talk about uh, what I want. The, the essence of the experience is to be able for them to be able to say uh, or understand and know that actually in order for um, there to be a belief, there needed to be someone to create the belief. Mm. Uh, and get them to experience this idea that it was them that created it, and if they created it, they're effectively because if their if their beliefs and they agree with it, their beliefs create their life because they've experienced it. Well, if they create if their beliefs create their life and they create their beliefs, then that makes them the creator of their life. Yes. 
And we want I, I want them to really experience that in a little bit of a different way than they've ever experienced before. And that's why we do it after eliminating belief because they've been in that position. And what, what that did for me was about two years ago, I started to really explore that bit, this idea of, okay, so if I'm creating my beliefs and I'm aware of the things that are happening to me, who is it that is aware of these things? Mm. Who is it that's the creator of these things? And that took me down a path. Um, most people would, and I probably wouldn't have used these words um, a while ago, and it would have put me off because it has specific connotations for certain people. But it took me on a more spiritual path, yes. for want of a better phrase. Um, but not from a religious perspective, more a question of who am I? Yep. And I, I, you know, over the last two years, I've spent a fair bit of time investigating some of those aspects. Yeah. Um, and again, I think you know, it's different people resonate with different people, but I spent a lot of time not just kind of learning and researching, but more, I think, trying to find someone who really resonated with me someone who understood it but but also spoke in a way that i did in terms of just a logical process the simplest quickest effective way to, to do this which is what i tried to do with the, the belief elimination process I, I developed and 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 that's exactly the same so i now have a much deeper understanding of that but on a much more clear level and a simple basis than i ever did um and, and one of the mentors that i found who uh, i do a lot of studying with around that subject um, a guy called Rupert, uh, Rupert Spira, um, has a very, very um, simple and direct approach to those, um, those aspects around who you are and this idea that you are not your thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the same way, it really resonated with me because I was, I'd spent a number of years already telling people they are not their beliefs. Yeah. And when he started to say, well, you are not your thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, you are the witness of those thoughts, I suddenly, that really resonated. And this idea that who I really am and, and who I'm, you know, my pure awareness, my consciousness, that opened up another door, you know, another level of um, of understanding. And I think that's also something that's significantly benefited me during this particular period of time mm. when lots of people are feeling anxious or stressed or, um, you know, uh, having a difficult time of it. Um, and this is not, that um, you know, to sound... Um, uh, impressive or, or glib about anything, but you know, I, I I genuinely don't feel that. I feel extremely calm and and, and peaceful. Not that I, it doesn't affect me at ever. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have those times when it flares up and you suddenly. But what it does give me is an awareness to be able to recognise it when it happens. Say, okay, I see what's happened, um, and having an understanding of it, and that significantly helped me during this period of time because it's given me the ability to, uh, as we said earlier, kind of extract myself, stand back from that, witness what's going on and say, okay, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm going to look at how I can have an impact for myself and also in the world in terms of what I want to deliver and how can I best do that during the period of time. And I hear the the baseline of who you are being is is more sturdy, right? Like the, the empowered, the peaceful, the resourceful, knowing that every situation every circumstance like when other people are in it and they're there it is them they they are truly in that situation and circumstance they are the anxiety they are the fear they are the overwhelm because those are the thoughts those are the beliefs that they are interpreting as who they are you have this baseline where you're able to just keep pulling back to the witness to the to the consciousness that is not we are not this body we are not our identity we are not our thoughts or beliefs but we are that witnessing presence so 
to be able to zoom back to that um, is so much more resourceful. And then you get to choose, hey, with all the situation and circumstances, who do I want to be? Who do I choose to be? Do I choose to be anxious and overwhelmed or do I choose to be peace and resourceful in the calm and eye of the storm? Yeah, for sure. And that really helps significantly. And I think the other thing uh, that that's been able to do is I have a saying when when I'm coaching people often is that um, the reason, because often people will go through a process and then say, well, why didn't I see that? Why didn't I see that? That was so obvious. And I have a saying I say to them often that when you're in the pit, you can't see the frame. Mm. Yep. You've got to step outside to be able to see it. And that's that's the same, not just for other people when you're coaching, but also for me. In an environment like this, the ability to be able to step out of the picture wow. and just see the bigger frame, yep. that's what gives you the perspective to say, okay, how do I want to respond to what's happening rather than reacting in the instant? You know, take a step back and how do I respond to what's going on and how can I best serve both myself and and, and everybody else? Dean, this is this is gold, man. I want to drive it home with the final takeaways from this interview, and then we're going to share with our audience how they can transform some limiting beliefs. Because, dude, I'm I'm just like so amped on this session that you're you're giving to people when people work with you. So let's let's drive it home, man. What do you want people to to really get from this interview, Dean? I think the keys for me, um, probably three things. One is um, they are not who they think they are. Mm. Um, you know, if they if they had one glimpse of what was who they really were and what their potential was, man, they would just yeah, it would it would literally blow their mind. <laughs> um, so if we could get people to experience that, um, that that's amazing. That's the first thing. The second thing is that um, people often are concerned about this idea that the behaviour patterns and the limiting beliefs are going to take a long time to break, mm. and it's you know it's really difficult and hard. Um, you know, if they, if they took away from this interview that um, change is not difficult and it does not take up a long time, um, uh, it, it can be done and it can be done quickly uh, if that's what the, if that's the decision that you make and that's the belief that you have. Um, and I often use a quick description um, to say that, and hopefully there's no children watching this evening on Facebook. But, um, you know, at some point in our lives, we, we believed that Santa Claus was real. Yeah. We didn't need to go through hundreds of hours of therapy to change that belief. <laughs> it went like that but that's just the same as everything else we believe so true. So true. yeah so it doesn't doesn't need to take a long time to be really simple and the third and final thing is that you know whatever's going on um is just a situation um you know every every situation is either an obstacle or an opportunity and the person who decides that is you um, and you can change that at any given point in time. You can make a decision to say, I see this as an opportunity. Where will it come from? People often say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm. And I often tell people that, well, if you don't believe it, you'll never see it. Mm. You've got to start the other way around. Mm. So you've got to believe there's some opportunities in order to be able to see some out there. And if people got those three things, I would be, uh, I would be blown away. That would be amazing. Yes, I love it. We we got it, Dean. We got all those. And I know that there's people who are resonating with this. They want to transform their limiting beliefs, step into who they really are, man. How can they stay connected with you? What can they do next with you, man? Okay, so um, I'm on all the uh, traditional social media channels. You can get me at Dean Fox Coaching on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, uh, you can get me directly at my website, deanafox.com. Um, and for everybody who's out there um, listening and thinking, okay, this sounds uh, useful and I'd, I'd like to find out a little bit more they can go to my website but also on there um i have a, an online uh, program which I, i've spent a while developing which has got five steps in it and one of those steps is about resilience mm. 
mm. uh, the development of total resilience. And um, it's massively valuable at this particular point in time uh, with everything that's going on. Um, but that module is available for free. So people can get that uh, and download that. So it's an ebook and some coaching module, coaching videos. That's available directly from our website. So they can get that or they can, uh, uh, they can reach out to me on any of the social channels. And uh, I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with anybody. You're, you're an extraordinary human being, Dean, and um, the world really needs you right now and all these gifts that you're bringing. And I know this is just the beginning of the impact that you're, you're creating in the world. So you just keep showing up, keep getting this voice, this message that you have out to the world, reminding people that especially going through difficult times like you've been through before and you bounce back from you were, you were at rock bottom, man. And, and you've come back so strong with such a more enlightened, empowered perspective. Um, people need it right now. People are, are hungry for it. So just keep showing up, man. I'm, I'm super, super grateful to get this message out to my audience and everyone who's tuning in, go to deanafox.com. That's D-E-A-N-A-F-O-X.com. And go check out Dean's stuff, schedule a session with him, go get that first module or the module of the, the course in Dean. Thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much, Chris. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, brother. We'll see you soon, okay? Okay. Take care. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning in. Right now, we've reached the end of this episode, but this is the start of a whole new beginning. Each and every moment, you have an opportunity to rewrite your story. Right here, right now, Decide and commit who you are going to be. Think about how you will use these ideas, wisdom, and inspiration to make the difference in your life. What actions will you take today and every day to step into your greatest possible self? Again, a big shout out to our sponsor, EmployeeEscapePlan.com. If you're committed to learning how to truly harness your abilities and passions to serve the people who are hungry and desperate for what you have to offer, make a great income off of your genius, or if you're ready to get more clients to pay you more money, head over to www.employeeescapeplan.com and let Joe know you were sent by Chris. Did you enjoy this episode? Let your friends know about it. Share the website, beyourgps.com, and send me some love on social media. If you want to clarify your vision, uncover blind spots, get more energy, tap into your flow, and take massive action, head over to beyourgps.com forward slash coaching to schedule some time into my calendar. Now, master yourself, create your reality, and make every day your best day ever.